You're listening to Life in Limbo, a podcast about building a life you love on the foundation of what's most important to you. I'm your host, Stephanie Pellet, and each week I'll be chatting with an interesting person to explore how we can stay connected to our personal values, measure what matters most to us, listen to our own voices, and build a life we love. This week on the show, it's just me and I'm talking about upper limit problems and what I'm doing to overcome mine. Let's go. Hi everyone, thank you for listening and for tuning in again this week. I am coming back to you with just a solo show again today. And originally when I started the podcast, I was thinking that most of my episodes were going to be interviews with interesting people. So you hear that in the introduction, but I actually got so much great feedback from my last solo episode, two episodes back, which is all about limiting beliefs, um, and really enjoyed the process of sort of just talking out my thoughts on a topic Um, and, you know, looping in some recent experiences that have led me to think about this a little more deeply, that I thought I would try it out again. Um, The side note of this is that the last couple of weeks have been really busy and kind of overwhelming for multiple reasons. So coordinating an interview just didn't come together in time. So it's kind of a combination of all of those reasons that are leading me to talk to you again today, just me. So this week on the show, I wanted to talk about upper limit problems. So if you've read some personal development books or are sort of involved in the self-help space, this may be a term that you're familiar with. It was relatively new to me. Um, I recently read actually two of Gay Hendrix's books. Um, So I read Conscious Loving which was lent to me by my friend Sonia and really loved it. And in that book, he kind of goes deeper into what an upper limit problem is. And then I thought, oh, I've never actually read his other book, The Big Leap, that everyone is always talking about. I should really read it. So I got it out of the library and I read it. And when I was going to put it onto my Goodreads account, I realized I had already read it like a year and a half before and just had literally no recollection the entire time. I think because I was familiar with most of the concepts or, you know, I thought that I was reading it and thinking, oh, yeah, I know this stuff because of my friends or other articles I had read. Turns out I'd actually read the book. Anyway, he also mentions upper limit problems in that book. And um, for those of you who don't know, I'll just define it. And I'll do that by reading a little piece of his book, Conscious Loving. So in it, he writes, I realized the key problem. I have a limited tolerance for feeling good. When I hit my upper limit of feeling good, I manufacture thoughts and behave in ways that make me feel bad. So I began to wonder, how might I extend the periods of contentment in my life? Can I eliminate the behaviors that stop the flow of positive energy and feel great all the time? Can I allow things to always go well in my life? Uh, He goes on to say that these are some incredibly powerful questions that really changed the trajectory of his life. And I would have to agree with that, right? Those are very, very powerful questions. The concept of, can I allow things to always go well in my life really throws me for a loop because to be honest with you, the answer right now is no, I can't. Uh, I am not able to just sort of tolerate the feelings of incredible goodness that that I experience. And I'm sure that most of you are the same unless you've consciously worked through this. Uh, or maybe you just have a higher uh, limit for uh, periods and, and feelings of positive energy and contentment. I think that we all sort of have a set point, right? That's kind of what he's getting at is that our tolerance for 
feeling good is our upper limit. And anytime we go beyond that, we try to find ways to recalibrate and get back down to where we feel comfortable. Um, and he goes into a lot of the reasons why this is, and I'm not going to get into them here because I'm more interested in what we can do about it. Um, so he talks about some ways that we actually do this, right? So when we, when we think about having an upper limit problem, what are the ways that we actually bring ourselves back down? And I remember when I first read this in his book, I just had to laugh slash cry because they're so <laughs> recognizable and relatable. So the first one he talks about is worrying and that anytime we're worrying, it's probably to do with feeling some kind of upper limit um, because worrying generally, unless we can actively go out and do something about our worry right now, it's not really that helpful. He also talks about blame and criticism as great ways to <laughs> avoid uh, feeling our positive feelings and bring ourselves back down. The same would go for sort of picking fights or arguments with our partner or a friend or a family member. Um, and he also indicates that we can sometimes get sick and this can kind of be our spirit's way of bringing us back down a notch um, after we felt, quote, too good. So I wanted to talk about a couple of recent experiences that I've had with experiencing an upper limit problem. And I was so grateful to have the language and to be able to name what was happening so that it didn't actually take me out of the experience I was having. So to tell this story, I have to talk a little bit about my friend Amber of uh, Creating Light Studio. She is a branding photographer, but she is not just a branding photographer. And I was actually explaining this to my mom yesterday, what the photo shoot was like, and she was so surprised. Um, so I'll explain a little bit about the process for those of you who aren't familiar with Amber's work. So uh, normally when you get photos taken or headshots, it's just like, you know, a couple hours of, of shooting, maybe not even, and you leave with some... Uh, cute and professional photos of yourself that you can use on your website or your LinkedIn profile. But with Amber, it's a totally different experience. Uh, she takes you through so many different steps in the process. So you have an envisioning session with her where you talk about your vision for the shoot and what you're hoping to look and feel like throughout the shoot. Um, you talk about different locations where you might feel comfortable or feel more like yourself and you talk about outfits and you talk about um, any sort of issues you feel or, or fears you have around being in front of the camera. Um, so that could be body image issues or just, you know, self-consciousness in general that might prevent you from feeling the most comfortable on the day. She sends you a pre-shoot package that has all these inspiration shots pulled and ideas for a shot list uh, that feels so exciting and, and <laughs> you know, you read it and you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this day. Um, she encourages you to bring friends who can act as models for the different sort of sections of your photo shoot. And, um, and then on the day, she really lets you sink into the experience in this beautiful way. So no matter what is coming up for you, she's there. She says, it's totally fine. Just be where you need to be. Just trust that everything is going to work out exactly as it's meant to. Um, and of course it does, right? <laughs> so mine was this beautiful shoot. I did. Oh, also you get hair and makeup done, uh, by uh, somebody that she works with. It's just a real whole experience and it's really incredible. So on the day I, um, I had three different locations. I had three friends with me for a few of the 
parts of the shoot. Um, I had multiple outfit changes. I think I had maybe four outfits total. And it goes on for a while, right? It's multiple hours. And as things were just starting to get going, we had been to our first location, I finally was able to name the experience I was having. And I actually said it aloud. And thank goodness for my friends who are are very well versed in ideas like upper limit problems. And I said to um, Amber and my other friends, I feel like I'm hitting my upper limit for feeling good. I am starting to have thoughts like, you don't deserve this much attention. Who are you to get a full day that is just all about you? Multiple hours that are just photos of you being taken? You know, all kinds of sort of negative thoughts. And I think that that had started coming up for me even when I was still in the hair and makeup chair. Honestly, I'm like, okay, okay, this is enough now. You know, we can stop. Uh, There's been too much attention on me. And uh, I feel selfish for having all my friends there. And Um, for, for, you know, having this whole experience just be about me. I can honestly say I don't think that I've ever, unless maybe when I was an infant child and my parents were doting on me, I don't think I've ever really had that much attention placed on me for that long. And it's a pretty weird and intimidating feeling. And thank goodness for my friend Orr, who you heard on the podcast earlier this season, who reframed things for me and said, well, think about it maybe a little bit differently, right? These photos are actually not just for you, although some of them obviously will be personal favorites and make you feel happy and confident, but they're also for you to communicate to your potential clients um, who you are and what you stand for. And in that way, it will help you serve more people and actually help more people. And so thank you, or if you're listening for that amazing reframe, because I think that really helped me kind of come back down into the experience I was having and, um, and really settle in and know that it's not just about me and that I was actually doing this for a bigger purpose. Um, But it was so interesting to experience in the moment. I was like, aha, this is an upper limit problem. This is exactly what Gay Hendricks is talking about in all his books. He's talking about this moment where we realize, wow, this has never happened to me before. It feels so good. It's so exciting that like I'm scared of it somehow, you know, (laughs) that I feel like I need to go back where things are safe. And this has been happening to me a lot lately. So that's just one example. And thankfully, uh, the recognition of it didn't take away from my experience for the whole day. But I've recently started adding different services to my website. I'm offering um, strategy sessions and business deep dives and consulting services and thought partnership. And all of these are things that are at once new to me and also not new to me. Obviously, I've been doing them with different clients, just not under the same name or packaging um, for years now. Um, But now I'm packaging it in a certain way and I feel like, oh gosh, now I have to stand behind it. And I do. But I think another form of the upper limit problem is when I book something. So I have been booking, for example, strategy sessions. I just just booked one recently and the um, inquiry came in and then uh, she filled out the questionnaire and, and made the payment and everything was fine and dandy. <laughs> but then, of course, upper limit kicks in like, wow, that was just too easy. You know, who are you to think that you can charge that? Or who are you to think that you have anything to say, right? I mean, that's such a big one. Um, The imposter syndrome is so real. It's so real. And it's so potent to feel like, oh gosh, am I tricking people? (laughs) 
obviously I'm not consciously ever would want to trick someone in a million years. And so I know that intellectually. But then I'm like, oh gosh, what if I'm just getting too full of myself and I'm, I'm sort of by accident tricking people. You know, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, none of this is, is helpful lines of thought, but these are all forms of worry. They're all forms of worry that I'm not good enough or um, that it's too much goodness for me. I don't deserve it. And all of those are manifestations of an upper limit problem. And I encountered this the other day as I was writing a report. So for the business deep dives, I've actually been writing uh, reports that are called opportunities reports of all of the places I see opportunities for growth in somebody's business. And I was texting my friend and saying, it's so funny because now as I'm writing these, this is my second one. And as I'm writing them, I can start to spot the stages. So I'm like, aha, here is the stage where I think, oh my gosh, I have absolutely literally nothing to say. I have nothing to say. I have no positive suggestions whatsoever. And then I, you know, work for a little bit longer and I just like say, okay, okay, thank you for that, but bye. Um, I work for a little bit longer and then I'm like, aha, here is the stage where I feel like, okay, I've written some things down, but none of this is helpful whatsoever. This is all just boring, not helpful. It's not going to change anybody's mindset or mentality or help them with their business. Um, And on and on it goes, right? This is the stage where suddenly I feel like I'm so great and here I am and I'm being so helpful. And then I go back to the other stage, you know? So, and she's like, maybe you should make an infographic of all the stages that you will inevitably hit as you're writing something or as you're presenting something to a client. And that's probably a very helpful suggestion. So thank you, Sonia, for that. But um, (laughs) uh, I don't know whether I actually will, but it has just been so helpful for me to visualize what does it actually look like? It's like, almost like you, your upper limit is kicking in again and again and again, right? You start to write, things are flowing, things are feeling good, you're feeling confident. And then, aha, you have to hit that roadblock that's telling you, never mind, you actually have nothing to offer, right? And so what it, what do we do about this? I guess that's my, <laughs> that's why I'm talking to you about this today, because I am still grappling with that. What do we do about this? How can we figure this out? How can we handle this? Because obviously what we want to do is increase our tolerance for goodness, right? Just keep increasing it um, until it's at a level that just we feel good all the time, right? Like that's what Gay Hendricks says. Can we eliminate behaviors that stop the flow of positive energy and just feel great all the time? That's the dream. And how do we do that? And I think there are a few things. The first thing I think is that we need to have awareness of this as a concept, as a topic, that we can start to recognize it and point it out in ourselves and maybe in other people that we're close to when we see it happening. I think that's the thing that saved me on the photo shoot day. That's the thing that makes it possible for me to actually finish the report and not just get paralyzed is the awareness that this is a concept that I'm struggling with and I don't need to necessarily believe it. I think that would be the second thing, right? Just because we feel it, I think the more we can acknowledge it and notice that it's there, the more we can say, okay, I don't necessarily need to believe this. Or if we notice, hey, I'm upper limiting by trying to pick a fight with my partner or um, worrying incessantly about this problem, I think it makes it easier to stop believing 
those behaviors, right? Stop believing that it's important for you to pick a fight or stop believing that it's important for you to worry incessantly when you can tie it back to, aha, this is probably related to the idea that I'm feeling too good. The other thing that Gay Hendricks often recommends in his book is, and this was especially when it came to in romantic relationships, that when we're feeling too intimate with somebody what our tendency is, is normally to argue with them, right? That's no, or criticize them. In some way, create discord between the partners because you're feeling too intimate and it's too scary. So you feel like you need to have space again. And so what he recommends in that situation is instead of um, feeling good and then fighting, so getting close, finding a way to pull away again, and then find a way to get back together again, um, emotionally, he recommends when you're feeling really, really close to rest. And I think this is just such a beautiful uh, idea for any kind of upper limit problem is instead of trying to ignore the upper limit or um, avoid what's going on or, you know, actually use upper limiting behaviors like worrying or stress or getting sick or arguing to just rest instead. So that means you're aware of what's happening and maybe you distract yourself, right? Maybe you're like, okay, now I'm going to go watch TV for a bit or let me go talk to somebody pretty neutral that I won't want to pick a fight with. Um, trying to recognize and then rest and then not try so hard to buy into the upper limiting behaviors. So those are the three ways that I'm really currently trying to do this. I would love to hear if there are ways or strategies that help you when you're hitting your upper limit or if this is a problem that you faced that you've overcome in certain areas. I think when we recognize and then rest, we actually increase our tolerance for positive energy. And that's what um, Gay Hendrick says in his books. The more that we are able to rest instead of reacting, um, the, the more we can kind of absorb. It's like we can't go from zero to 100 overnight. We have to sort of get there incrementally. And that not only takes time, but it also means trying to block our patterns. So if our pattern is normally to uh, blame somebody else or get really angry or get really sad even or get really upset, then to just recognize, hey, I think this might be happening for a different reason than I think it's happening, right? I'm not getting sad because of the thing that I think is actually going on. I'm getting sad because subconsciously I'm feeling too good and I need to bring myself down a level. Let me know, actually, if you even buy into this concept or not. I can tell for myself it's definitely real, but I'd be so interested to hear whether for other people they actually experience this in this way or whether this is something that doesn't really resonate. Um, there are tons of resources online. I'll link to Gay Hendrix's books and a few videos that I found in the show notes um, and let me know because I think that it's a really juicy topic and I'm still starting to see the implications for other areas of my life as I grow and continue to learn about this topic and uh, need, need all the help I can get as always. <laughs> so I really hope that you have a wonderful week. I'll be back next week with an interview. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Life in Limbo podcast. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or reach out and let me know at Steph Pellet on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. As always, you can find show notes for this and all episodes at lifeinlimbo.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.